Teacher, what star is that? Peace to the planet. It's Adisa Banjoko. You are listening to Farside TV. This is Side Life Radio. You are listening to Bishop Chronicles. But this episode is not going to be like other episodes. This isn't a regular show, so... Like right now, if, if you're a real listener, you're looking for that West Coast word of the week, you're looking for that haiku... You're looking for that fitness tip, discussion on meditation and yoga. You got to go listen to another show right now. It's not going to be on this one. The only thing I'm going to do, I'm going to open with some heartbeat props. Because this ain't a regular show. I'm opening different. The following people I'm saluting for real. RZA. Raka from Dilated. Chuck D. Talib Kwali, Steve Bramucci, what's up? Conejo, I see you, bro. Andre Nicotina, AR the Believer, Bamboo, Nim One, Tembisa Mshaka, everybody at Farside TV. This show is different. I want to thank you all for the things you've done for me over the years. Some of you I talked to recently, some of you ain't talked to in a minute, but I thank you. For this moment, I hope that what I do in this show is something that you respect. This show is dedicated to Ahmaud Arbery and his family. This show is about hip-hop and the cops. It's about why do they make that music like that? Why do they make that music that's always talking about the police? Why am I doing this show? I'm doing this show because your favorite rapper is afraid to. I'm doing this show because your favorite radio host and DJ are shaking hands with the people who don't want you to hear what I'm fixing to tell you. They are kissing ass to systems that tell them to shut up and sit down. And they do it. I'm not them. I'm doing this because your favorite DJs and MCs, your favorite rapper, doesn't even care about what I'm getting ready to tell you. In fact, here's the thing. Most of your favorite rappers don't even care about you. But that's for a different, that's for a different show. Right now, you need to understand, I'm doing this for Rodney King. I'm doing this for Mike Brown. I'm doing this for Sean Bell. I'm doing this for Eleanor Bumpers. I'm doing this for Amadou Diallo. I'm doing this for all the black women who are abused by police on YouTube. I'm doing this for Sandra Bland. I'm doing this for the men that love those women and felt helpless and emasculated and embarrassed and ashamed. I'm doing this for them. Doing this for their sons, doing this for their nephews and uncles, doing this for their fathers and their grandfathers. I'm doing this for every mother who cried over her child that was beaten, abused, or murdered by the police and then given no justice in the courts, even if there was footage. You can already tell I'm on another thing, so you know what I'm saying? If you're a regular fan, you know to buckle up, and if you're brand new, sit your ass down and buckle up. I'm doing this show because hip-hop was built for these moments to respond dynamically in every aspect of the art. And I'm talking about rappers rapping about police brutality. Get on the mic, bruh. Stop talking about that syrup right now. Nobody cares about that chain right now. Don't talk about that strip club right now. You need to talk about your freedom. You better talk about the abuse. You better talk about and address the dignity of the black man in North America in this day. I'm talking to graffiti writers 
who need to stop bombing their name and they need to write freedom, justice, and equality on the walls. You need to get rid of the name you had. You need to give yourself a new name like police brutality. You need to start writing the names of those that were killed by the police on the walls. You need to paint their face, their most beautiful pictures. So we don't forget our fallen. And we don't allow the enemies of our children to forget that we know who they are. I'm doing this show because I watched a lot of legends in hip-hop. Waste time distracting you with Illuminati conspiracy theories and a lot of sideways alien talk, Luciferian, uh, uh, reptilian. Shut your ass up. Let me tell you something while I'm doing this. True story. The first time I spoke at Harvard, I spoke on a panel with Africa Bombada. Shout out to Florian Schneider of Craftwork, who recently passed away. Thank you for what you gave to music in general, but how you sparked hip-hop. If you love Africa Bombada's Planet Rock, understand that he stole that beat from Craftwork. And he owes all the children he molested, talking about Africa Bombada, a check. And the rest of the money needs to go to Florian Schneider from Craftwork. Because it wouldn't be no Planet Rock if it wasn't for Kraftwerk. Stop playing, bam. Cut the check. They deserve it, and you know it. So I'm on this panel with Africa Bombada. I just do this whole thing on hip-hop and jazz. I actually played a song, a jazz song, that had never been heard before by a top-tier jazz musician. I worked on that thing for weeks. I was so blessed to be there. I was so grateful. At the first... Harvard Hip Hop Archive event. Okay? So then, it, 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 you know, some other brothers was on. Shout out to AK Black, you know what I mean? That's right. West Coast. Double Rock, San Francisco. And then, you know, Boots was there. You remember this, Boots. Africa Bombada gets up. And they say, bam, tell me about hip hop. When it started, what the people need to know. And Africa Bombada sat his 300-pound ass up there, okay? Talking about how to eat to live, totally living different. But that's beside the point. I'm not fat shaming, I'm just saying. You ain't living your words and you got exposed. That was just one way you wasn't living your words. But they say, bam, talk to us about hip-hop. Tell me. He goes, uh... What we got to talk about is hip-hop is, well, you know what I'm saying? We need to really start looking at these alien abductions. And I look to my left and my right. Hey, if I'm lying, somebody go get the audio from the Harvard Hip-Hop Archive. Ask them for the audio and listen to the distractions. You know what I'm saying? People coming up missing from spaceships, know what I mean? And, and, you know, the, the music is important and all this other stuff, but, you know what I mean? We got, we, we got to really have this conversation. Now, all the real G's in the building are looking at each other like, what the f- is he talking about? But you got deluded scholars and jockers and, 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 and minions and lackeys of BAM sitting there with their arms folded, shades on, nodding. Yeah, word. Tell them. Tell them. Distracting us from real issues from real abuse, from real murder. And we don't have to look at no reptilians. We don't have to look at uh, uh, pentagrams on the dark side of the moon, bruh. We need to look at the precinct. We need to look at the police chief. We need to look at the DA. We need to look at who's voting these fools in. We need to look at governors like Schwarzenegger, who gets celebrated by rappers still, but he killed Tukey, though. And you're cool with that? You down with him just because he made a stupid-ass Terminator flick, bro? And they got a lot of these dudes in hip-hop, like Bam, wasting time, 
pointing directions in 20 different conspiracy directions because they're afraid to address the point blank problems that are here right now. And I'm talking about police brutality. I'm talking about state sanctioned murder from day one of black men and women and children in America. So we're going to look at this music now. I made on Spotify a list of music. It's called Anti-Cop Hip Hop. And it looks at music from a lot of different people. It looks at music from Tupac. It looks at music from NWA, from nonfiction, from AR the Believer. You understand me? From Paris. Not Paris Hilton. The Black Panther of rap. Know what I'm talking about? Devil made me do it. Do research. I want you to listen to that music and I want you to think about how we got here. I want you to ask yourself, you know what I'm saying? Why have all these different generations of hip hop come from different parts of the country and somehow came to the same conclusion? The conclusion that we are not uh, protected by the police. The conclusion that they are a threat to to our peace and our safety. That they are a threat to our wives and our daughters, that they are a threat to our mothers, that they will kill all of us and walk all the time. I'm so angry right now. I'm so pissed off. I'm so hurt. I'm so sad and I'm so angry. But what we're not going to do in this episode is ever equate me or people who look like me saying or rapping or writing in graffiti to stop killing Black men, women, and children, right? What we're not going to do is we're never going to make that act. Even the most dopest rap anti-cop lyric on earth is an act of nonviolence because it is a poem used against a pistol every time. It is a poem used against a pistol. So don't talk to me about me co-signing people who want cops dead, me co-signing the murder of innocent anyone because I stand in the name of nonviolence. And quite honestly, because I do, in many respects, I wonder if if that's what the problem is. But you will never make me uh, or equate me or these poems, this episode, those raps, you will never equate that And what it does to you, to the actual murders that these police departments do. On film, off film, with audio, without audio, walking all the time. Cats are getting put on paid leave. Cats are getting bonuses on the low. Remember those cops that was prostituting that girl out here in the Bay? Hmm? Go look those articles up and you'll see some of those dudes were getting paid extra loot on the low. Go look it up. Go look up Oakland police prostitution ring. Remember one of the cops killed himself. Do not even ever remotely try to equate my anger, my legitimate rage about men who break laws by nature to abuse my people with the poetry meant to support those who suffer in it. But how do we even get to this place? How do we even get to this place? Listen, I'm going to drop names, books, and all that stuff towards the end of the thing, and I'm going to drop some as I go, but you got to do this research, right? Let me tell you what I don't like. I don't like white people who who message me. I don't like white people who who send me emails and stuff about race. And I go, yeah, you know, because this book by James Baldwin called No Name in the Street talks about this very question that you called me about. You should read it. And then I follow up back with them two months later. They ask me the same question. And I'd be like, well, I told you about James Baldwin's No Name in the Street. Did you read it? Well, no. You didn't read it. Hmm. So then what do we know? We know you don't really care. You just want to hold your weak-ass opinion. You just want to say you have a black friend 
Next time you have dinner with your homies, next time you're on the golf course, well, not anymore on the golf course because of COVID, but you want to be able to tell your friends, your black friend told you A, B, and C, but you don't believe it. But what you're not doing is listening to the people who are enduring the pain. I learned from my homeboy, MC Hilo, way back, Freedom Troop 187 Forever West Side. Shout out to Rob Flo. You know, he taught me, you never listen to the history of a people that's told to you by someone other than that people. So if you want to know about Native Americans, read books written by Native Americans. If you want to know about the Irish, read the books written by the Irish. Okay? So any of you white people who are listening... If you don't take the time to read the books written by those who suffer what you're questioning, you're lying to yourself. Don't ask me nothing. Because if you won't do that homework, you ain't sincere. And I am. So don't waste my time. Don't waste yours. Do the damn homework. So I'm looking at time. Time Time.com. Police history origins. Well, what does it say? Well, years ago, when I was in the nine, nine, 1990, my boy Hilo had a friend whose name I'm forgetting. I totally forget this guy's name, and I, and I wish I knew it. White kid, cool. Went to, I think, Foothill or CSM. That's a local JC around here. He was doing a paper on the police, and he told me, you know, the, the reason you get police, the reason why there's so much racism is because people don't know where the police come from. I said, well, where do police come from? He said, when slavery ended, the white landowners, because they knew that they were so outnumbered by the black, newly freed Africans, that that they knew that if those Africans got together, that they might not live. So they paid the overseers to police the perimeter of the plantations. And especially at night, get rid of any blacks that were free walking around and that's how you get the police so now i'm looking at time i said man let me see was he telling the truth i was pretty sure that was the case i thought i read it somewhere else as well but time magazine right says the economics that drove The creation of police forces was centered not on the protection of shipping interests, but on the preservation of the slavery system. Some of the primary policing institutions were the slave patrols tasked with chasing down runaways and preventing slave revolts, Potter says. The first formal slave patrol had been created in the Carolina colonies in 1704. During the Civil War, the military became the primary form of law enforcement in the South. But during Reconstruction, many local sheriffs functioned in a way analogous to the earlier slave patrols, enforcing segregation and the disenfranchisement of the freed slaves. Now look how we've been treated every generation you don't know a generation of black people that haven't been abused by the cops in north america you can't find one you can't find a region you know what has never happened to you i'll tell you what's never happened to you people watch somebody getting whooped on by the police or shot and murdered handcuffed on their stomach and someone going oh you know what that would never happen in wyoming nah you know what that will never happen in boston now, blacks and blacks in Utah never get treated like that. No one says that because we all get treated like that in every state. So somebody might say, you know what, Deese man, why are you wilding right now, bro? Huh? It's 2020, you know what I mean? Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. Nothing's changed. In fact, it's worse. In fact, because of COVID and the fears around food and the fears around employment, Mixed with the already embedded racism that I just explained where it came from. That was Time Magazine. Go look it up. Um, Creates a situation where blacks are getting bludgeoned and beaten and clubbed and socked. 
for not social distancing. Meanwhile, white folks are kicking up dust with police in their face, spitting on them. Our children are getting shot unarmed. They just had a kid up in Sacramento who's getting punched around in the dirt over a cigarette by a cop. Sacramento, look it up. This is what we deal with. Time don't change the nature of white supremacy as a system. Understand, when I say white supremacy, I'm using it under the only the under, only under the definition that Neely Fuller Jr. put together in his textbook on white supremacy. That's the definition I'm using. Look that up on your own time because I'm still talking. So now I look online. We all got, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, we all don't, uh, you know, a lot of people don't. But a lot of us got internet access. I look up on Guardian 2016. Huh? Well, what does it say? Thank you for asking. I'll tell you what it says. Black males age 15 to 34. This is 2016. Black males age 15 to 34 were nine times more likely than other Americans to be killed by law enforcement officers last year. According to the data collected, they were also killed at four times the rate of young white men. Racial disparities persisted in 2016, even as the total number of deaths caused by police fell slightly. In all, 1,000 and 91 deaths were recorded for 2016 compared with 1,146 logged in 2015. Several 2015 deaths only came to light last year, suggesting the 2016 number may rise. So this is, this is, what, I'm, this is what I'm dealing with. This is, what, this is the America you live in right now. This is the America you've been living in. This is the America you've been ignoring. This is the America that you smiled through. While our children are murdered. While we are murdered. When I got my driver's license, the first thing my dad did is he pulled me aside and he said, son, let me tell you how to drive in case you get pulled over because they'll kill you. I was like, they will? He's like, yeah, they'll absolutely shoot you and they'll get off. So listen to what I'm telling you. And he teaches me how to talk to police, how to move my hands. And I've never ever not used it ever keep in mind man i'm 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 63 almost i say i'm 63 i'm lying i'm 62 and some change homie i'm almost 63 with tim's on i'm definitely 63 um now how many of you listening that are not black how many of you make sure that your kids get that conversation Specifically for the white folks listening, how many of you have to have that conversation with your kids? You don't. Very, very, very few of you do. If any. But that's a black tradition in almost every household because they know that their kids will die if they don't. And they know that their kids will die even if they obey every law, every word, every time. You know, and now you can look at, 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 at books like uh, The New Jim Crow, right? You can look up things all the time and you find that white supremacists have been becoming police often primarily just for the opportunity to abuse and murder black men, hiding behind a shield, right? And if you listen to the Public Enemy song, get the F out of Dodge, which is on that Spotify list called Anti-Cop Hip Hop. You'll hear those sentiments from back in the day. We know what's happening to us. The fact that so many of you who should be intelligent, who have degrees, who have jobs and make good money can write well, the fact that you can still be so blind to this is actually proof of its existence. White supremacy as a system is a beautiful demonic machine and you need to be made more aware of it and how it functions and how it affects people that you say you care about. 
i.e. me or other black people you might know in your world. Unless you actually don't, and then you should just ride that wave. Stop being phony. But another thing that a lot of people don't talk about, don't know. And you wouldn't know, look, the only reason I know this is because back in the day, I used to volunteer at like Folsom and San Quentin and Vacaville, you know what I'm saying? But the other aspect of this white supremacy thing inside the police department is this other thing of the COs, the correctional officers, also being white supremacists. Like in California, there is a gang of COs called the Green Wall. Look it up. It's a problem. I just saw a dude online the other day talking about how on the East Coast, they got white supremacist CO gangs. One is called like the Black Glove family and others called like the Blue Glove family. But they're like white supremacist gangs inside the CO groups. And they abuse and set up people and sometimes kill people, according to this guy. You know how I know it's true? Because if you look at the book Monster by Monster Cody, right? Kind of a classic book from the late 80s, early 90s. He talked about how the COs back in the day used to set up MMA fights pre-UFC and bet on who was going to win. And then you look at scenes like what you see in Django and you wonder where that came from. Remember when they was fighting to the death? And the white men are just sitting there sipping their brandy and bourbon laughing? Yeah. That's what these white supremacist gangs do. These COs, they keep that tradition alive. So you might be sitting there and you say to yourself, Deese, what that mean? Why you say it? Who cares, blood? I thought you was talking about police. It's all part of this system. It's all related. But let me tell you how I'm going to tie this back to Ahmaud Arbery. Here you have a guy who was a cop and an investigator for like 30 years. He shoots a guy. The video came up because... One of the guys who was there and watched it and shot it, he thought the video was going to exonerate his white partner who shot this man. So they, that's how they got it. He thought that was exonerating footage. That's the sickness of the white supremacist mind. And so it goes to the DA and all these people don't want to take the case. Why didn't they want to take the case? And I said... First of all, it's been discovered, and if you've been following the case, you now know that Ahmad and the shooter, they knew each other. They knew each other. I think this was probably a targeted hit, at the very least. If not, he just took liberty of his white supremacy to kill this man because he wanted to because he already knew him and they had history. But why didn't they arrest? I'll tell you why I believe it. And this is only if everybody does their job. I feel almost certain this is what the deal is. I think that the shooter, was it McMichaels? Is that his name? Uh, and his son. I think they're Klansmen. But I think it's deeper than Klansmen. I think that he is a leader in white supremacist circles in that area. And I think... That the DA knew that's not the guy you want to go arrest. You may have problems. I think they have pictures of him at a Klan rally. I saw a picture that showed an arrow. Might have been him, might have not been him. A lot of dark-hearted devils look like that. But they said it was him. I believe that he and his son are connected to very authentically violent white supremacist organizations, authentically violent, and that all of the white people in and around that police department and in the community knew what it would mean to arrest that man and his son, so they kept bouncing it around, giving no justice to Ahmad's family, no justice to Ahmad, no justice to the average black citizen of Georgia or America. And you might say, well, you know what, Deese? That sounds a little far-fetched, but I don't think you really know what you're talking about, bruh. 
Shut the hell up. What a factology, you know what I mean? What a fact, son. Go online. Those of you that really want to know what the realness is, I want you to look up Phineas Priest. Phineas Priest. P-H-I-N-E-A-S. P-H-I-N-E-A-S. Go look up Phineas Priest terrorism or Phineas Priest white supremacy. Phineas Priest are some of the most dangerous white supremacists walking. They are in short order, but they are real and they are deadly and they are violent. And even in the state of Texas, they put in work. I have a feeling if people will dig deep enough that the shooter and his son or the shooter and the son's family openly tied to the American Nazi party, the Ku Klux Klan, or, or, or Christian identity people. Look that up. You don't know about that yet because you ain't been studying this seriously. See, I've been studying this seriously. Christian identity. They're not regular Christians. So when you see, like, you know, there was this, I saw a friend who posted this thing. It's like, look, they're saying they're a Christian org. They're trying to raise money for the, for the, for the shooter and his son. He's like, what kind of Christian would do this? Da, 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 da. And he doesn't even understand. When they say that they're Christian, they don't mean the kind of Christian that you are. Christian identity, it's different. I know a lot about it because I studied it almost 20 years ago. Cliff notes are this. Phineas comes from the Bible. Phineas was about making sure that people stayed racially pure. And so he murders someone who marries someone from another tribe to keep the lineage pure. So a Phineas priest puts in work to keep the race pure. They're cold killers. I think you're about to see organized white supremacist people inside the PD down there in or around that family and that's why this law thing is taken so I took 10 weeks to get anybody charged because I think people were scared and so when you go onto Spotify and you listen to the music remember all from different years all the way from NWA's F the Police until F12 by AR the Believer brand new are they all wrong? They don't know how to convey their own life. They don't know what's happening in their community, in their hood. No. No. They know. But everything I just explained, that is why hip-hop seems so anti-cop. That is why. Police get on and but I fear for my life because of these rap songs. Nah. Nah. And some of you might say, man, Dish, you overdoing it right now, bro. Why don't you shut up, blood? There's hella problems in the world, blood. We need police, bro. We need them. I'm not even denying that. If you're a cop and you're listening to this, you should be just as pissed off. You should say, yeah, I actually don't like cops that write tickets they shouldn't do, that harass fools, that beat fools, that take their money, that take what they got. Look, some of the cops that were abusing people just recently in New York were from the 75th precinct. Boy, if you don't get on Netflix and look up the 7-5 and look at all the police corruption inside that precinct, you'll understand why they acted the way they did on that film. It'll make perfect sense to you. But if you don't know the history of the 7-5, it's just going to see like, oh my, hashtag open mouth emoji. Listen to me, I'm not, I'm not overdoing it. You know, if lions could, could sing, they would hate human beings.
if lions could sing, there would be a lot of their music filled with resentment. There would be a lot of lions singing about how they didn't deserve to die the way they die. There'd be a lot of lions crying about their children and their mothers being murdered, having their pictures used as trophies. I'm telling you, you, you don't understand. At the end of the day, what I've realized is that all anti-cop raps are just the modern, the modern poetry of Anne Frank. Look up Anne Frank. All anti-cop hip-hop is the modern poetry of Anne Frank. You know, the first time a gun was put in my face, it was a, it was a San Francisco police officer who put a gun in my face because my friend made a U-turn to get a parking space, an illegal U-turn, on a street that had no cars on it. There was no traffic on the street. He saw a parking spot and he made the U-turn not realizing you weren't supposed to be able to. But you know what? There was no traffic on that street at all. And that was the first time I had a gun put in my face. I was 21. The cop was afraid of me. He was smaller than me. And my hands were in my pockets. I was sure he was, I could feel the bullet going through my right eye. I'm not kidding. I could see my body when my brain's gone on my back. Before it was all over, he told me, oh, there was a gang from Panola wearing your colors. I had a red and black jacket on. But that's not what it was. That red and black jacket, it had a Black Panther on the back, and it said Paris. He was trying to intimidate me, because he came from behind me and kind of circled me. It's a long story. I did cover this with Sean Sitaro on his podcast, like the whole story. And so I also have another friend. His name is John. True story. His name is John. And in 1991, same year, he went to L.A. to go do some recording with a friend. On the way out, and John told me this story the day after it happened. They're driving. They get pulled over in Los Angeles. And he's like, hey, let me see your driver's license and registration. And so he's like, oh, yeah, sure, you know, here you go. Where are you going? Where are you from? We're from Oakland. We're going home. We just finished doing some recording. He said, okay, cool. He pulls out his gun. He puts it to my boy's head. Understand, my boy is just a mellow musician. Has nothing to do with the street life. Has no criminal record. Never had, never will, never tried. He put the gun to my man's head. And he said, listen, we don't like niggas in L.A. I want you to stay the fuck out of my city. Now, I got your ID here. I know where you live. I know everything about you. And if I see you in my city again, I'm going to fucking kill you. You understand me, nigger? Get out of L.A. He did that. My boy was crying in a chair the day after. He was crying. And I sat there powerless to do anything other than sit there and listen to him. How many people did he do that to? That cop is retired, been retired, chilling. His kids probably think he's awesome. And you say, well, how does a guy get like that on the force? Well, go look at the documentary, Bastards of the Party. Well, you will learn that the police chief of the 50s in Los Angeles, came from Texas, and rather than hire local people, he was hiring and flying out and importing Texans. And that's why when you look at the 60s L.A. riots, the, the police are so heavy-handed and they're so brutal, and you're like, why are they treating them like that? Because those were Texas Klansmen. How you gonna just say they Klansmen, Dees? That's wrong, bro. Well, go look at 
the popularity of the Klan and the American Nazi Party in those times. Go look at the go look at the history of the American Nazi Party in America and see how they loved loved to be a part of the police. They they the the whole Gestapo, they loved that. And I learned from my good man, Immortal Technique. Go pick up the Middle Passage. That in Texas, the Texas Rangers lynched from trees more Mexicans than the Klan lynched black people. And he was saying, if you're Mexican and you wear a Texas Rangers jersey, you're like an Uncle Tom sellout. Because they killed your people. It was those kinds of people that were in the police down there and he imported them here to L.A. And that's what happened to my homeboy, John. But the psychological impact of that for generation after generation after generation is something that gets hard to ignore, let alone endure. But there is another way. There is another way that American police terrorize black men specifically, but black families deliberately. Would you like to hear it? I'll bet you never heard of this one. I'm going to tell you. And I want you to look into it. ColoradoTrust.org Black Americans living in underserved areas are impacted in greater numbers than other populations by virtue of experiencing more murders and fewer arrests in their communities. According to a Washington Post analysis of homicides over the past decade in high violence areas of major American cities, including Denver. Shout out to Five Points community. Much love to y'all, because I know it's not easy. The document goes on to quote a guy noting that the high volume of murders and unsolved murders paralyzes a community with fear and distrust. Anytime you have unsolved murders in a community that's going to tell you that the murderers are walking around that community. It tells you that the families and communities do not have closure. Loss is bad enough. Traumatic loss is terrible. But ambiguous loss is the sense that you can't say goodbye. You can't let the loss go because the murderer has not, the murder has not been solved. Adisa, what are you talking about? What does that have to do with what you just talked about? The police. What? I am about to tell you. Let's take a look at some of the unsolved murders and how that's impacted the black community. Off the Dome, Malcolm X, MLK Jr., Nipsey Hussle, Pop Smoke, Tupac Shakur, B.I.G., Jam Master J. They don't solve the killers of our icons because they want us to feel what I just read you. They want that distrust. They want that lack of closure. They want that to agitate and feed you into a state of revenge that makes you want to re close the cycle. Go back to it. Okay? All that devaluing of life the mothers and sisters who grieve with no closure, the fathers, powerless to figure out what happened. This is what the, the police departments do. They don't care to solve the killers of our children because they trying to do it already. Now you might say, Deece, man, you being hella hard on the police, blood. I thought you was cool with some of the cops. I thought you was all right. I thought, listen, If you could talk to a Jewish man before the Holocaust, like a year before, he'd tell you, I don't care about those fucking Gestapo. I don't like them, blood. That's how I feel. 
when I see the average cop drive by. You know when I knew what was what was what was going on with me because I had several cop situations. That one that I just told you about is just one. One day I'm driving down the street, I see a cop car just sitting at the intersection. I'm driving through at the speed limit. I almost have a damn stroke. And I get through the intersection and the cop doesn't even follow me because I ain't doing shit. He shouldn't have been following me. But I was like, dude, the way that your heart just raced and the way that you panicked, you got PTSD. From from the dude who pulled the gun on you, from the cops that tried to get at you because you was wearing that body count T-shirt when you got pulled over. All kind of stuff, man. You don't understand what it does. I know young Jews in Germany a year before the Holocaust started, man, they didn't like no Nazis. And I don't know how else to see the police based on what we experience. Now, does that mean that I don't know any cool cops? I've worked with some cool cops. And when I say that I've worked with them, I was a security guard at John O'Connell. And on John O'Connell's campus, we had and what they call an SRO, a school resource officer. It's a cop that's on site. And I saw that cop do great work, not arresting people when he didn't have to, never physically abusing anybody. And one time, when there were some of the kids from the school were robbing people with a replica 9mm... And he knew one of them. And he had to draw his weapon because they were jacking kids down the street, punking them with the, with the replica to steal phones and food and wallets. And he had to make this kid lay down. It was like a group of them. And the one kid that ended up having the replica was the most defiant and being like, come on, man, you know it's me. Da, da, da. He was like, I need you to lay down. Lay down and spread your hands out. And, you know, had he shot that boy, he could have walked. He would have walked. But he didn't shoot that boy. He talked that boy down. He got the replica. And everybody lived. But he is local to San Francisco. He tries to be a positive member of his community. And he doesn't want to harm anyone. All right? And I could tell you some other great stories about other cops that I've come across that have told me about different things they've done. Some that are white, some that are black, some that are Latino, right? Some that are Asian. And they're good human beings. And I don't want them to be under fire from other people because of what we see on TV, because of what we experience, because of the abuse of the district attorneys who ignore the justice system, who, who, who don't enforce a double standard, they enforce like a quadruple standard, okay? But all of the good cops I know aren't stopping the murder. They aren't stopping the beatings. They aren't stopping. And we deserve better as a people. We deserve better as citizens. We deserve better as human beings. Our wives, our children, our grandmothers and aunties, our nieces, our daughters, they deserve better. So to all of the good cops and COs out there, and I'm not denying that you exist, I'm telling you I need you to do a lot more. I need you to do a lot more. Because the ones that don't think like you they're doing a lot more. I need you to do your job for real. Fully. Books you can look into immediately are The White Supremacy Textbook Notebook by Neely Fuller Jr. Another book, Human Rights in Our Own Backyard, Dr. William Armaline. The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. This book is one, this one right here, is one of the least appreciated, it's one of the most underrated books in the history of race relations. 
It's called Lest We Forget White Hate Crimes by Alfonso Pinckney. Lest We Forget White Hate Crimes. You want to see white supremacy in action. You want to see an unjust system manipulate the laws. You read that book, Lest We Forget White Hate Crimes. And then finally, speaking to those that are curious about the Phineas Priest, so you know that I'm not lying and you know that I do my homework. I ain't perfect, bro. But I do my homework. Soldiers of God, white supremacists and their holy war for America by Bouchart. B-U-S-H-A-R-T. One more time. Soldiers of God, white supremacists and their holy war for America by Bouchard. I know this show don't feel like the other shows, but I don't feel like the guy who can do those shows right now. As a man, as a father, as an American, as an African American descendant of survivors of white supremacy, of kidnapping and rape, of abuse. I'm doing this because I'm a father and I don't want my children to think that I sat still and watched this and didn't even speak up against it. I don't care what religion you are. If your religious leaders aren't speaking up against this actively, they're letting you down. They're letting their holy books down if they refuse to stand up against this. Before I go, I want to shout out all the real G's in Stony Mountain Penitentiary, Vacaville, Folsom, San Quentin, Tehachapi. You know what I'm saying? I want to shout out the juvenile halls in St. Louis. I miss y'all. I pray for y'all. The Juvie in Oakland, off Fairmont. This is going to be the first summer I haven't been able to hang out with y'all because of COVID, you know what I mean? But my heart's with y'all, you know what I'm talking about? You ever listen to Hail Mary, y'all? When they turn out the lights, I'll be there in the dark, thugging eternal through my heart. That's me, bro. San Jose Juvie, same. All incarcerated kids across the world. My heart is with you. This is FarsideTV.com. This is Bishop Chronicles. This is Sidelife Radio. Let's stop being scared and start making change happen. If you think this show has any value, please pass it on to one person you know. One person. Peace. Teacher, what star is that? Now listen to the Bishop Chronicles.